Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 403. The road to cruise ships restarting goes right through the CDC, and there's been a lot of public statements and announcements lately. So this week, I wanted to dive into what's happening right now and which of these changes actually matter. Here we go. So I'm honestly not sure how to approach this episode this week. It's a little different, um, and and I'm, it's a bit of a, well, it's a rant is what it is, but I also want to keep it as even-keeled as possible. And obviously with, you know, a lot, there's a lot that's been happening over the last couple of weeks in terms of, you know, cruises. Well, there haven't actually been restarting, obviously, in the U.S., but there's been a lot of efforts about that, about trying to get cruises to be able to restart in the U.S., and it's gotten me really thinking more than ever about a lot of different things and so this week, I wanted to share my thoughts about what's happening these days because a lot of people have been asking me this question on live streams and on the Realcom Blog message boards about you know the 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 process of getting cruises restarted in the U.S. And this has been a very very uh, long process. It goes back all the way back to, of course, you know March of 2020, right when the cruise industry shut down, and then the no sale order came into effect. And ever since that no sale order came into effect last year from the CDC, we, we've just been in this kind of rut and. There's been a lot of back and forth, but not a whole lot of forward progress. And the difference is in the last certainly month, maybe two months, has been there's been a shift in the focus of the cruise industry, in my opinion, to be a little more aggressive with the federal government to get things going again. Now, prior to 2021, going back to about December or so, um, you know, I, I think we're in a much different spot. And that has really all to do with the vaccine. There's no doubt in my mind that that's the primary difference. The first uh, vaccine got emergency authorization in December of 2020. So we're leading into arms primarily until the beginning of 21, right? But as we moved into 2021, every month, the situation has greatly changed, in my opinion, in terms of where we are here as a country here in the United States, as well as around the world. Obviously, not every country has been affected uh, the, the exact same way. Obviously, our friends in Canada are still struggling to get their doses of the vaccine, whereas other countries like the UK, uh, to some extent, the US, Israel, United Arab Emirates, a couple others have been lucky enough to be getting a number of, of, of doses. But the bottom line is we're moving in the right direction in that regard. And the other thing that's been happening, of course, has been that a lot of other industries, uh, companies, businesses have been able to restart, reopen, and the cruise industry really seems to be left behind. Um, a little background, of course, if you're unfamiliar with this. Uh, I'll give you the basics of it. The no-sale order by the CDC banned cruise ships from U.S. waters in March of 2020. In October of 2020, the no-sale order was rescinded and replaced with the framework for conditional sale order, the CSO. And that basically was supposed to be this a phased approach to cruises restarting. Well, from October until March, nothing happened. Literally no updates. And then the CDC finally gave some updates. And a large part of that was based on the fact that the cruise industry started taking a little more aggressive approach. Really, up until uh, early 21, you know, maybe January, February, you know, you really did not see any comments coming from cruise lines or uh, CLIA, who's the, the industry association, the Cruise Line Industry Association uh, for the cruise lines. You really didn't see much that was going against the CDC. No, no public comments. I mean, what we probably consider slamming the CDC. Haven't really seen any of that, right? And then that kind of changed a little bit. Uh, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that we were seeing uh, really good vaccine distribution in the U.S., a lot of numbers coming down, and a lot of other businesses being able to open up. 
You know, it's hard to ignore the fact that you've got a lot of other uh, businesses open, operational, whether it is Major League Baseball, which is allowing people in stadiums again. You've got you had WrestleMania in, in Tampa. Uh, you've got obviously schools are reopened and are reopening and maybe some other places. But I mean, here in Florida, I mean, they've been open almost since uh, late uh, last year. Uh, you've got a number of, you know, the airlines, I, I could go on a rant for the airlines for at least a half an hour here, but the airlines basically have not been hindered at all. There's no policies by the federal government doing anything. There's no testing. You can go in an airport right now, fly from New York to, you know, Los Angeles or Florida or anywhere in Chicago, anywhere in between, right? No one's testing you. There's no requirements there. And, um, you know, th- this is the heart. The heart of my issue here today is the double standard, and that's what I wanted to talk about: is the double standard, because there's always been a double standard, even going back to March of 2020. You know, the the federal government shut down the cruise lines with the no sale order, even though they shut themselves down. But that's a different story. You know, cruise lines were shut down in March by federal order, um, and the airlines, not no, no change. They just they the airlines cut flights because of lack of demand, not because anybody told them they had to, right? Uh, certainly buses, trains, same same thing, right? And the issue is, in my opinion, is the, the the reason why things have not reopened. Primarily, there's a lot of reasons, but the the primary reason, as I see it, is the cruise the the CDC looks at the cruise lines through the lens of what happened in early 2020. They still see what happened with the Diamond Princess and the Grand Princess, and I think the Ruby Princess as well. All those cruise ships in early 2020 who were mostly in Asia. Uh, what the, I believe the Ruby Princess was in Australia that had COVID cases on board. And they look at that and say, listen, we can't let that happen again. That's unacceptable, never going to happen. So thus, we can't allow cruise ships to sail, which is obviously at the time in 2020. Okay, I can go with that. I understand that rationale. But in 21, that will never happen again. And I'm going to tell you why it's never going to happen again. Number one, we knew nothing about the virus back then. I mean, literally back then, we thought you still had to wash your groceries and all you had to do was wash your hands. We didn't, you know, masks were still back then in, in that early part of 2020, the CDC even said you didn't need to wear a mask, right? Obviously that's all changed. We've learned a lot more about the virus. Number two, they just left people on board the ship. They didn't know what to do with it. So they just basically <laughs> said, you can't dock here, sit out there until you guys figure it out. So the virus was just left to languish in basically a, well, let's call it what it is. It was a Petri dish. It was just this, you know, they, they, they shut all the doors and said, you guys stay out there. You know, don't no one come off the ship. You guys will send you some food every now and then, but you're not getting off the ship. And and they just hope that it would like burn itself out, like kind of like a fire. Right. If you're if you're doing fire control, if you can't actually put out the fire, what you do is you encircle the fire to ensure it can't spread and then hope that it burns itself out. Well, unlike a fire where they were talking about timber here, this is people anyway. That won't happen again. And on top of that, the cruise lines had no protocols back then. Well, now the cruise lines do have new health protocols. The cruise lines have arrangements with local governments to ensure that if there is a case on board, they can get those people off, you know, uh, to be quarantined, number one, off the ship quickly, treated, you know, all, all those things. And then, of course, you've got the requirements, at least in the in, in the short term, for requiring vaccines for adults. The, the scenario playing, the, the 2020 scenario just will never happen again because there's so many new protocols and policies in place that it would never happen. And to me, what the CDC is looking at is like, it's kind of like saying, oh, you know, we, let's look at what happened at 9-11. And because of what happened at 9-11 with the terrorists hijacking airplanes 
airports aren't safe, guys. We got to shut down the cruise, the airline industry. We got to shut down. You, you, you shouldn't be able to go to an airport. You shouldn't be able to go on an airplane because look what happened in 9-11. Yeah, of course, that's, we see that. And then what happened? The airline industry added a new uh, safety protocols, right? We added air marshals and a variety of other uh, things you know, with the TSA and a variety of other you know things to basically uh, reduce that kind of a scenario happening again. And the airlines responded. The airports responded with new upgrades, and you know, here we are, right? Why are we not looking at it the same way with cruise ships? Yes, of course, things ha- bad things happen in early 2020, but you can't ignore the fact that cruise lines have been shut down since again early 2020, and the virus still spread all around the world, and that wasn't because of cruise ships, right? And I'm not, you know, you you can't ignore that fact. Not to mention the fact that they have been operating ever since then, and um, you know. I don't know why you can still point to them as a, as a major problem. The issue, of course, again, part of this is there's always been this, you know, bias against cruises. I mean, there are some people who don't love cruises. They look at it in a negative light because they just personally don't enjoy it. Um, it's always been like that. There's always been a double standard with cruises. I'm the first to admit that. And, you know, it's just the nature of the beast. I hate to say it that way, but it is what it is. The The issue for me, more than anything, is... I look at this and it, it's incredibly frustrating because you see obviously what the cruises have been able to do outside the U.S. And I, I'm the first to point out that, yes, outside the U.S. is not exactly like the U.S. in terms of the global health crisis and where the numbers are in various countries. You know, it's really amazing what Royal Caribbean has been able to do in Singapore. But, of course, Singapore is a country with like no cases at all anyway. So that's not really a great example. But I think what MSC has been able to do in Italy and in other places in Europe, what TUI Cruise has been able to do in Germany has been nothing short of phenomenal, being able to offer cruises since last summer, 2020. And they've had good protocols, no vaccine requirements as well. And they've operated quite successfully. And Italy and Germany and, and some other countries there are in Europe are uh, have had their fair share of cases. It's not like Singapore where they've had no cases, far from it. So there's so much data, but it feels like um, the there's just not a willingness on the CDC side to change that. Now, I say all of this. I'm actually recording this episode the week it comes out. Yes, I don't record it the exact same day this episode comes out, but I did record it this week. And uh, Royal Caribbean uh, Group CEO and Chairman Richard Fain had a very positive outlook in his latest video on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, in which he, and I'll post a link to that in the show notes at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com for this podcast episode. You know, he mentioned that he had a very optimistic view, actually, because it's it, it was very optimistic, probably the rosiest view I've heard from him or really anybody in the cruise industry for quite a while. And about the prospect of summer cruises coming up. And that comes on the heels of a meeting with the CDC. Um, and, and I probably should backtrack for a second here. I think the reason why he, Mr. Fain is so excited, the reason why the CDC clearly has said something to them in, in this meeting they had uh, last week that's you know been so positive or forward-looking, I don't know where to look at it, is because of all the public pressure. There's been an incredible amount of public pressure. You've seen not only what... The you know what 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 with what you see public statements from different executives, you've seen this the governor of Florida issue a lawsuit against the federal government against the CDC to stop this. Uh, the Alaska governor has threatened to sue. I don't believe he actually has, but he's threatened to sue the CDC as well. You've seen now two bills in Congress introduced. Uh, actually, there's been more than that, but these are the le- recently uh, the Senate and the House both have new bills that have been introduced to uh, basically circumvent the CDC. And there's been just this outpouring of public statements basically calling out the CDC. I mean, this isn't the issue has been that the CDC, it's not that they're 
they're, you know, um, but they're working slowly. But the issue has just been they haven't done anything. They issued the conditional sale order in October of 2020, and really there's been no updates since. They did one lame update a little while ago, a couple weeks ago, that was just like, really? Like, that wasn't the, that didn't really move the needle any. And I do believe that, I, I don't believe that lawsuits or even these bills are going to pass or do anything. I don't think that, I think number one, even if the lawsuit or the bill were to pass or to be effective, they're, they're going to take too long to take any, they're going to take way too long for it to have an effect on the industry now because the industry wants to start cruises this summer. Law Bills get passing, uh, lawsuits being approved. I, I don't know what the legal term is, but you know, going forward, right? Um they take time. I mean, our, our system is purposefully slow to ensure that there aren't knee-jerk reactions. I get that. And bills are few and far between passed to avoid, again, knee-jerk reactions to things. So there's really no guarantee that even if they were to happen, they'd be ha- they'd be helping us in the short term. But they have a different effect. And the effect that is really most important is they're changing the national narrative. And I think that is the most important thing. When you see these bills, when I write about these bills, these lawsuits, these public statements from different people. I don't look at this and be like, aha, here's the silver bullet that's going to save us. I don't think that's the case at all. I, I expect none of the bills to pass. I expect none of the lawsuits to be effective, but they have a different effect. They have the effect of changing the national discussion. And I think their effect has been, at least thus far, is the plight of the cruise industry has gone from a small local concern, you know, a South Florida kind of concern, to a national story. It's not quite there yet but it's definitely moving in that direction. There was a White House press briefing about two or three weeks ago now in which uh, two different reporters brought up the cruise industry to the White House press secretary and the U.S., uh, sorry, the, uh, uh, the, 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 the Department of Transportation secretary. And the fact that cruise, I, I really, listen, I don't pay that close attention to what happens in, in White House press briefings, but I really don't remember the last time that kind of a story came up, that kind of a question came up in terms of the plight of the cruise industry. So things are changing. I think that is the difference right there. And, uh, I, you know, government is, uh, there's a lot of things you can say about government, how it works or it doesn't work. But certainly sometimes pressure on a particular agency uh, is more important than actually a new directive. Certainly a new directive would be helpful. But, um I feel like the fact that there is now public pressure on it is significant. You know, back in uh, Oct- late September or October, when the when the no sale order was replaced with the conditional sale order, primarily the only pressure coming, and I say primarily, I'm not saying it's only, but primarily the pressure was coming from the White House, right? The president was pushing on the CDC to change something, but that was basically it, and it looked like a tug of war between them. Now you see this ground swelling of support coming from constituents, from lawmakers, from local officials, from industry executives. There's a concerted effort there, and I think that's really the difference, and that's what gives me hope more than anything because I can sit here and, and list to everybody the double standards, the, uh, the, 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 the crazy conclusions that have, that have been reached by various government organizations about the cruises and just how you kind of... We can drive ourselves crazy here. I can get you guys all to be yelling at your radio, your iPhone, just as much as I get angry uh, every now and then about that as well. Because it's crazy. There's, you know, the the argument from the CDC has been for a while, you know, I, I kind of understood it for a little bit, but now it's just beyond. I don't understand it at all. And 
That's not the point. The point is that the more pressure, the more public statements, the more support we see, the more compelled the CDC is to act. And in this case, what we're seeing is by them acting, they're actually seem to, um, it seems to compel them to actually move the ball forward, right? Pick up the ball and start moving it again, which is the most important kind of thing. Um, I was talking to a good friend of mine. I won't name him. He knows who he is. And he used to work in government. And he said the uh, there's a term for what we're seeing in the government, not not the movement, but the the idea of what's happening with you know how they're viewing cruises. And it's, it's called, uh, he calls it bureaucratic inertia. It's the semi-official equivalent of my mind is made up. Don't confuse me with the facts. And that's really, I think, what we're seeing here. Uh, it is, I, I don't know a good argument anymore that you can make a logical argument that you can make about why cruises shouldn't be able to go. You can say, well, look what happened in 2020. And I would say, of course, yeah, I'm not denying what happened in 2020 in terms of, you know, the grand princess and everything, diamond princess and all that. But that was before we knew the virus. And that was without any health protocols. The cruise industry, if you gave them the chance to start tomorrow, number one, they're not going to start tomorrow. They're going to wait until July because they can't. And number two, they would do so with new health protocols. The cruise industry is very cognizant that, if there's like one case on a ship, it's going to get like national news, unfortunately, because it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy because, you know, in the United States, we have, you know, thousands of cases every day, but we're going to get all, you know, upset about one case. on. Anyway, you know what I mean? But anyway, the cruise industry has a target on their back. Even if they're able to restart cruises whenever they can, you know, every national media outlet will be waiting with bated breath. Please let there be a, an outbreak on a ship. Please let there be a case on the ship so we can report on it, right? They can't wait. And, the, and if you say, Matt, you're being overly dramatic, that's not going to happen. My friends, I think you should look back at what happened in those couple days there when there was that false positive on quantum of the seas in Singapore. Boy, did every media outlet, and by the way, this is Singapore, it's not in the U.S., but every national U.S. outlet was jumping out. It was on the national 630 news on a number of networks covering it when it looked like there was a positive case on board. Ah, there you go. We got them. See, we told you so. Then it was a false positive, And then there was absolutely no, you know, something happened on a ship. We don't know. Anyway, back to the new scary news, right? That's how the news operates, unfortunately. But, you know, anyway, what happened in 2020 is just never going to happen again. And, and the cruise lines know they have to do their their right thing. If you want to say, okay, it's unsafe. It's, we shouldn't be operating leisure travel like this during the pandemic because it's still a pandemic after all. I would say, okay, that's fine. But then why are we allowing airlines to operate, theme parks to operate, casinos to operate, hotels? I mean, leisure travel is not really limited to just cruises. There are plenty of people going to places like Walt Disney World, Las Vegas, um, other tourist attractions I can't think of right now, but you know what I mean? There's there. Those are all open. They're all available to, to operate. I mean, even Disneyland in California is set to reopen. So if you're going to sit here and tell me this is not the right time for cruises to restart because leisure travel is not safe, not right, whatever fine. But then you need to shut down those other leisure travel. That's that represents a much greater market share than compared to cruises. And since you're not going to do that, because no one's going to say that, no, no Congress person say, we need to shut down the airline industry. Um, we're way past that point. Then you can't hold the cruise lines back because 
Holding them back is like allowing every other piece of leisure travel to go forward is like being in front of a dam that has broken, but you're holding back like one corner of it. Meanwhile, the entire rest of the dam above and around you, the water's flowing past you, gushing past you, but you're like, no, 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 I'm going to hold this corner back. This is going to save the valley behind me. That's essentially what we're doing right now. And that that's absolutely insane at this point because, and this is a larger debate, but I mean, honestly, we're, we're past the point where uh, I think, you know, we, we were trying to get zero cases. Zero cases is unrealistic anywhere in this country. Um, that, it's about containment. It's about treatment. And certainly the new, obviously the vaccine has been tremendous. There's much better testing, contact tracing, all those things. You know, we're, we're, we're at the point now in our lives here in 2021 where we're at the point where we're, we have to live with it. Whether or not you want to admit that or not, that's your your decision, certainly. But we clearly, as a society, we've decided we're going to live with the virus. It's going to be a thing that's going to be out there. But, you know, certainly we're, we're seeing lots of other places and operations opening up. We've seen, obviously, the the president himself say that, you know, he wants to have this, you know, semblance of, of normalcy return by July 4th. And that's not for everything, obviously, but at least for part of our lives, it's symbolism more than anything. But by the same token, we need to admit that, you know, one case on a cruise ship is not one too many. Um, it's just the reality we live in. I mean, I uh, my kids are go to elementary school. I first I was petrified of sending them back to school. They have done so now for the second half of, of the school year, and it's been fine. And listen, I get two or three calls a week from the school district saying there's someone in the community has a positive case. They don't tell us anything, by the way. They don't say who it was, where it was, you know, just it's just a hey, we're letting you know there was a case on there. Good luck. Um that's the world we live. That's, that's, I don't want to say okay, but that's been, that's become acceptable. And by the same token, cruise ships like that need to be acceptable as well. My hope is, and and my, honestly, I'm recording this podcast right after Mr. Fain released his new video. And certainly I feel a little bit better about the prospects of it because it's very optimistic. Granted, uh, you know, listen, we've heard optimistic uh, statements out of him and some other cruise line executives in the past, but Let's hope that we are moving in the right direction. I, I really do believe we are. I think really the events of the last couple of weeks, the bills, the public out support um, has, has really moved the 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 needle. And I, I think the plight of the cruise industry is being now recognized by a lot of different people. What will happen in the future, whether or not there will be cruises this summer, whether or not there'll be cruises this fall, this winter, we still don't know. It's I, I'd be the first to admit it's way too early to know. I do feel better about the idea that we do have cruises outside the US talked about this on last week's episode that it it's it it stings a whole lot less when I know I can at least get on an airplane and fly to somewhere like Nassau or Bermuda and go on a cruise it's not ideal it's not my plan a but I will take it because we had for you know 15 months no plan a no plan b nothing unless I live in Singapore I was out of luck so I am willing to take this as a you know, at least I've got this as a backup, as a, as a plan B. And let's hope that things are going to change here with plan A. It's just, um, it, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I felt like today I wanted to talk about where we are and what I think the impact is of some of these changes. And again, it's all about changing the, the narrative and, and about the pressure. And I implore everybody that if you're listening to this and you're a U.S. resident to contact your congressman, congresswoman, uh, senator to tell them, hey, you want, you know, you support the cruise industry being able to restart. I was actually never really one to ever be, I always thought, you know, I, I still think ballots are a waste of time. Um, 
you know, but um, but uh, but I do believe honestly that in this case, contacting your legislature is actually a really good idea because it, it's about voicing your opinion, and there's a groundswell of support right now, and I think that the the more people that do speak up uh, is, is important. I called my congress my uh, congresswoman to let her know that I how I feel about it, um, and and I'm, I don't know that it'll change anything, but you know, it's it's part of doing your part kind of thing, and um, you know, let's hope that. Things progress down this road that we're going down right now. It feels like we're going down and that we will have the opportunity for cruises to restart, whether it's the summer or this fall. Just have the light, the final light at the end of the tunnel come to fruition. That would be, I think, what we're all hoping and waiting for because it's just been far too long. Okie dokie, time to answer some listener emails. This is the part of the uh, podcast where uh, you can send me your emails and I'll read them here on the podcast. If you want to send me your emails, you can send them to Matt, M-A-T-T at Royal Caribbean blog.com. Matt at Royal Caribbean blog.com. Our first email is actually uh, from Emil who sent a really good uh, response yesterday, uh, last week's episode, I should say, about uh, getting PCR tests for a cruise. And Emil says, just listen to your latest podcast regarding prepping for summer cruising. I found this website at rapidtesttravel.com. Um, allows you to search for 72-hour PCR COVID testing as well as rapid tests everywhere and anywhere in the world. Hope to meet you soon on the November Royal Caribbean Blog Group Cruise. Emil, thank you so much for this link. This is a fantastic resource. Everything helps. Um, and, and I know that we're all kind of trying to figure this out. But basically, it's test... Actually, he gave me a different... Well, it doesn't matter. Testfortravel.com. They all go to the same place. So either... Yeah, testfortravel.com. You type in your city type of test search and it'll help you out so hopefully that's another easy resource for folks to find out i'll post the link in our show notes again at uh, royalcreamblog.com for this as well so emil thank you for that really appreciate that our next email this week comes to us from uh noah in kentucky hi matt love the podcast like many we have a couple of cruises canceled for our cruise planner purchases we elected to take the 125 percent credit my question is, what happens if we don't spend that full amount on our rescheduled cruise? We had already purchased drink packages and several shore excursions, so we got quite a bit of credit. If we don't spend it all, does the balance carry forward so we can apply to another cruise or we just lose out on it? So, Noah, thanks for the email. Um, unfortunately, you know, if you don't spend all your onboard credit, you'll lose it. So use it or lose it. Uh, a couple things. Number one, you could, even though you already bought your excursions or whatnot, you could cancel and rebook them and then use your onboard credit that way. Uh, the only issue with that, of course, is obviously if you, pay, you got a better price before and it's higher now. But you could, if there's anything there that is the same price today that it was when you booked it, just cancel it in the cruise plan or rebook it with the cruise with your credit and you're good to go. Uh, number two, I, I say this with uh, almost jokingly, I have never had a problem spending onboard credit on a ship. It sounds like, wow, how am I ever going to spend, you know, a couple hundred dollars, thousand dollars? That's a lot of money. Trust me, friends, it can go very quickly. You could, of course, not prepay your gratuities and then your gratuities come out of that because that's a, ba a balance off your uh, CPAS account. You could obviously book things on board the ship. Uh, the, your um, massages are, boy, you can really burn through your, your onboard credit very quickly at the spa. That's always a nice thing to do. But there are other opportunities. There's you know, obviously souvenirs on board. I don't think that'll really be a problem unless you have just literally thousands of dollars. But even so... I would recommend that if that's the case, you go back and cancel what you purchased, like your drink packages or shore excursions or whatnot, and um, you know, and and rebook them. But yeah, that would that'd be my recommendation there. But I really don't think you'll have an issue not spending it. But theoretically, if you didn't spend it, yes, you would lose it. So I hope that helps you out, Noah. Thank you for the email there. Our next email is from Armando, longtime listener. 
I just want to point out that in episode 399, and on a previous one, you referred to the cliff divers in Mexico as being from uh, Mazatlan. That is not correct. They're actually in Acapulco, and the cliff diving location is called uh, La Quibrada. Um, visiting there is amazing, and the nighttime diving spectacular is out of this world. I uh, have seen it from an observation deck, from a yacht, and loved it. Love the show. Keep it up. Thank you, Armando, and I appreciate the, the correction on that. Uh, that, that. That is the case, so... That's, I mean, Western Mexico in general, I mean, it's such a different kind of vibe, it feels like, than Eastern Mexico, where I'm used to in the Yucatan. So I'm super excited to check that out. I actually did book a cruise on Navigator of the Seas. Not sure I'm going to go on it, but as you guys know, one of my favorite mantras is if you're not sure about a cruise, but you're thinking about it, your best bet is actually put a deposit down and then think about it later and make a decision before final payment date. So that's what I did. I'm practicing what I preach, and I put a deposit down for uh, Navigator of the Seas, and uh, one of the seven night itineraries I want to be able to visit uh, Mazatlan and Puerto Vallarta and, and Cabo San Lucas. Uh, everything that Sherry told us from Cruise Tips TV on that episode was fantastic. But I don't know if I'm going to go. But if I do go, I would love to be able to obviously lock in that rate. And that's exactly what I did. So uh, Armando, thanks for the correction there. I'm not sure I'll be able to see that exact scene about the cliff divers we were talking about. But I'm sure it'll still be a very memorable trip. Can't wait for that one. Next email is from Joe Mock. Who writes, uh, hey Matt, Nora and I are doing the three night dining package on our June 19th adventure of the Seas Cruise. Where do we get lunch, embarkation, and sea days in addition to the three nights? Uh, thanks and happy sales to you. Yeah, so um, depending on the ship, there may be a specialty restaurant open for lunch. Um, if you're, you mentioned the dining package, I assume that's what you're asking for, because I'm sure you already know, Joe, that the Windjamer is open there as well. Uh, looking at a past cruise compass from Adventure this season, by the way, Joe, as you probably are well aware, I mean, what happened before COVID versus now, who knows if this will still be the case, but as of February 23rd, 2020, I'm looking at a past cruise compass here at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, on embarkation day, uh, it looked like uh, Izumi was open from noon to 1.30, and that might have been the only one, actually. I'm, I'm surprised. Usually, unless it's Chops, it's really hard. I think it's actually Chops. The spacing on this is hard to read. Yeah, it's Chops. So Chops is open, which is usually what's on most ships. Um, you have that. So it looks like Chops noon to one thirty, and then dinner 5 to 9. Um, yeah, it, pardon my incorrect information earlier, but it looks like that's the case now. So yeah, you're going to have an option for Chops Grill to go there as well. Um, so that'd be an option for you. But again, who knows what will happen going forward. But actually, you will, Joe, because you because I'm going on the sailing before you, and I'll be able to report back to you what was open and whatnot. So You'll have at least have to be able to cheat on that one. Thank you for the email, Joe. Appreciate it. Next email is from Nick Casale, who writes, Hi, Matt. Love the blog and podcast. Just listen to episode 400. And uh, we bit the bullet and booked the June 12th sailing on Adventure of the Seas. I'll be sailing with my wife and 15-month-old son. Maybe we can meet up for a drink. Heck, yeah, we can. Did you see embarkation does not begin until 3 p.m. in Nassau? We have a flight that comes in around 8.30 a.m. from Miami. Guess we'll have to wait around from downtown Nassau. I'll stop you right there, Nick. I'm not sure that's correct. Um, the online check-in is not open yet, and I wouldn't necessarily read too much into what we saw before that. Some people were able to look at some of the things in there. Anyway, long story short, I wouldn't read too much into that. It's the first sailing back. I would be shocked, Nick, even though we do have, you're right about the the late sail away, but I would be shocked if sail, if check-in was as did not begin until 3 p.m. I could be wrong on that, but we'll have to wait and see. We should get that kind of information, Nick, I think about 30 days beforehand. So we'll wait on see that. Anyway. Uh, Nick writes, we were just recently in the Bahamas and Nassau for a long weekend. Ooh, so here's some of our thoughts. Number one, we went to a CVS drive through on Sunday at 2 p.m. for our PCR test. We had results at by Tuesday at 1 p.m. 
I uploaded the results to the Bahamas Travel website and I was approved to pay the visa around 9 p.m. the same day on Tuesday. We were departing Thursday in the morning. Do not do the CVS rapid test. It's not PCR. Number two, the departure from Nassau Airport is horrific. You have to typically wait in a very long check-in line, then wait in a very long security line, then pre-clear U.S. Customs, another long line. When they say to be at the airport three hours ahead of time for NASA, that is no joke. We saw people miss their departure while waiting for U.S. Customs. This is not my first time flying from NASA. Always the same experience. And number three, the Bahamas were strict with mask wearing, and we also had to take a rapid test upon check-in to our hotel at the Baja Mar. We had test results in about 30 minutes, and then we were able to use the resort. Just some thoughts. Let me know if you have any questions. Nick, that was absolutely fantastic, dude, because this is, I appreciate this because obviously I have to rely on this. I'm sure a lot of other people who are traveling on Adventure of the Seas uh, or even, you know, any cruise ship this summer, you know, Vision of the Seas are going to have similar concerns there. It's good to hear about the CVS drive through So you got it on Sunday at 2 and you got it by Tuesday. So doing the head of my math in my head, that's basically 48 hours. It's really not bad at all. And drive through I love that. So thank you for sharing that. And a good tip about the, the Nassau airport traffic and making sure you're there well ahead of time. Good advice. We love that, Nick. Thank you so much for for joining for for the the email here. You're not really here, but you're here. <laughs> appreciate it, buddy. And uh, we got time for yeah, time for another email. And that is me coming to us from uh, looks like Tim Higgins. Right? Hey, Matt. My wife and I both love your blogs and what you offer for cruisers. This is my first podcast experience, and many of my questions were answered. Episode thirty-eight on back to back. We're now booked on a back-to-back -back on Symphony of the Season November. First time for us. I believe these will be cruises number 20 and 21 for us. This makes us having five cruises scheduled now. Take us away. FYI, one of these five is Sydney to, to Hawaii. Sydney to Hawaii in April 2022. Um, so, so already you violated your first highly recommended point that we were not in the same room on our second leg for many reasons. Long story, the second in the back-to-back -back was scheduled first and we'll be enjoying our granddaughter on a cruise for the first time. So we got a grand suite. Based on your YouTube show, we heard your excitement over your back-to-back -back and decided it was time. So we booked a week earlier and settled for a balcony, $3,000 versus $7,000. That's why OMG. Any idea what happens when you go from one room to the second? Can we move our luggage up the to the second outside the door? Will they? Also, do they have, do they have to get off the ship? You said there was a special lunch, but you did not go into details for checking in for the second cruise. Can you be a little more specific about the process? Absolutely. So um, a couple things about back-to-backs. If you're changing rooms, the answer is it depends who your stateroom attendant is. In my experience, I've done back-to-backs before, changing rooms. What happens is you basically, your stateroom attendant should, from leg one should know you're staying on board but changing rooms. If not, you can mention it to him or her that that's happening. In many cases, the stateroom attendant can say to you, okay, Take all your stuff like off the hooks and everything. Just leave it on your bed or something like your luggage on your bed and I'll move it for you um, between leg one and leg two. Um, I have heard in some cases they make you move it yourself, but at the very least, no, you don't have to like get off the ship like like everybody else and get back on like everybody else. They'll work with you, but talk to your stateroom attendant about it. I'm sure they could figure something out there. Um, but again, I, I've heard like some stateroom attendants actually says leave everything on the hangers. I'll move it all. Obviously, I hope you tip that person because you're going to be changing serum attendance for that. But um, I had no issues when I did this on, I believe, Harmony of the Seas was the last time I did this. Uh, different rooms on a back-to-back. -back. So, um, but yeah, it's pretty easy. Just let them know about it. And then uh, in terms of what happens between cruises, so what happened, again, this is all pre-COVID, Tim, so who knows what will happen going forward. But uh, they would basically, you get a letter in your stateroom saying, hey, we see you're a consecutive cruiser. 
on the end, of, on, on the final morning of leg one, go to this uh, lounge or this bar, this location uh, to meet your other consecutive cruisers. And basically, the Royal Caribbean escorts you off and escorts you back on. I have heard about a welcome back lunch for repeat cruisers. I didn't get that on Mariner this season when I did it. Um, they just... They just were like, okay, <laughs> you're back on the ship. And I went back to my room and took a nap anyway. It was fine with me. But um, I've heard of others having a welcome back lunch or something like that. I didn't experience it. But again, that's not untypical. So, uh, And of course, we're doing a back-to-back -back in June on Adventure of the Season. I'll be definitely be reporting on that at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So I hope that will answer some more of your concerns to him going forward. But it sounds like you have some great cruises lined up. Absolutely love that. Well, friends, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you for joining me here. My rant wasn't too, too bad. And uh, if you have a question that you want to send into the podcast, you can send it to Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt, that's M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon. <laughs>